Good day. It is wonderful to be with you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors here. And uh, I'd like to go ahead and ask you to open up Luke chapter 15. Everybody say Luke 15. If you're new here, this is what we do. We speak back a lot. It's kind of what we are and who we are. So Luke 15, open it up right now. In Luke 15, we have this incredible teaching. Um, it's one of the parables. There's three parables found in Luke 15. Parable of the lost sheep, one out of 100. Parable of the lost coin, one out of 10. Parable of the lost son, one out of two. Luke 15, we get to dive into this. We hit it last week as well. If you were not here last week, um, I would encourage you, you might want to go back. You're going to get some more of the contextualization of the significance of this story if you listen to last week, the first of the three-week series. Um, you don't have to know that knowledge for today, but it, it helps. It really helps a lot. Um, and yet we know that a lot of people only hear a couple times a month. So try to go back and listen to that uh, if you didn't, because it will give you some better understanding of what's taking place. Because last week we talked about the prodigal son. I'll give you a very fast recap. You got a bunch of Pharisees and scribes, religious leaders, listening in on Jesus. They don't like him very much because they don't think he's keeping the law the way that they want him to keep the law. Jesus tells us in Luke, well, we find out in Luke 15, 1 through 2, that the scribes and the Pharisees are listening in on this. And he goes, who is he? He's even eating with sinners and with tax collectors. We know that one of the disciples, Levi, was a tax collector. Right away, it lets us be reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ has come for everyone who professes faith in him. It does not matter who you are, where you're from, who you're related to, what you've done in the past. God can redeem anyone from anything at? We recognize that. Isn't that beautiful? And so the Pharisees are listening in on all of this conversation. They don't like what he's what he's speaking about at all. But finally, the son who took all of his inheritance, we even know that the younger son, who he is, the older son would have received double, as part of that contextualization, would have received double the inheritance of what the younger son received. And now the younger son still comes and takes it. The father actually gives it to him. He goes, he squanders everything that he has. He wasted on prostitutes and everything else that you can possibly imagine. So much so that he has left with nothing. He loses all of his wealth, all of his money, wastes all of it. Then a famine hits the country. And then as a response to that, finally he goes to a wealthy citizen and says, can I work for you? And so so now we found a Jewish boy feeding pigs in a Gentile country. Just would not have happened. The Pharisees would have been like, no, 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 no. No, all of that would have just made their skin crawl. But finally, the younger son is broken. At first, we know that he's not really all the way broken. I think he recognizes he was in need. Everybody say need, need. right? From last week, he finally, he says, oh, and he was in need. But then he goes and finds a job feeding pigs. And then as he looks at the pods that they would only feed to animals in the Mediterranean area, in that region, these berries, bitter berries that they had, he goes, oh, I, I got to go home. Even the servants of my father's home has plenty to eat. And here I am. Finally, the younger son was broken. Now, there's something I always like to speak about in interviews. Some people can handle it. Some people cannot. Um, I'm like, hey, listen, I want to know, one, have you just been embarrassed in your life? Or I want to know how you've been broken. You know, there's a difference in embarrassment and brokenness. Like when, you, when you've been embarrassed, you're like, oh, snap, I got caught. Right? 
And then you're, that, that's a different posture than somebody who's truly been broken and says, oh, I can't do this by myself. Anybody ever been there before? You just go, if you've ever been truly broken, raise your hand. If you're a believer, that's you. You can't do it by yourself. You know that you can't do enough. You can't earn it, deeds, all that kind of stuff. It's not enough. That's why I talk about it all the time. If you're new here, I'm going to keep talking about it, right? All the major world religions, every one of them somehow, somehow is based on deeds and what you can earn and what you can do, except for Christianity. It's only through faith through Jesus Christ. You can't be good enough, but you don't have to be good enough. Jesus is Lord. That's the beauty of Christianity. It's the same reason people struggle with Christianity. It's the same reason that the Pharisees struggled with who Jesus was. They wanted the rules and they wanted the laws. They had over 600 of them. You better obey all of them. You better keep all of them. If not, you're going to go to hell. And yet it's by faith we are saved and we have freedom in Christ. But the, the son finally gets it. He's like, I'm broken. I can't get out of the situation that I'm in. All he can do is humble himself, admit a sin, go back and be treated the same, hopefully, hopefully with the same kind of mercy that his father had with others. So here he's processing, man, my, my father's hired men. They have more than enough. I'm here dying. I need to go home. So he's going to go back home and pray that he's treated well. He's going to take full responsibility. He tells us in Luke 15, 18 through 20. Why don't we go ahead? Let's just, it's very short, but why don't we stand? I feel like we need to exercise today. Yes, let's stand up for the reading of the word of God. Maybe we'll do this two or three times during the service just to keep you awake. When I see you, if I see any of you nod off today, even online, I will throw something at you. Okay. I will set out, go back to my father and say, now this is after he has not only been embarrassed, he has been broken. Everybody say broken. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired So he got up and he went to his father. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So this son is saying this to himself. This is the conversation he's having with himself. Hey, this is where we concluded last week. You think about that thought process and you go, okay, wait, here he is. He's preparing a speech that involves repentance and confession. Any, any of you been in that situation maybe before you've done something in your life, you're like, oh, I cannot believe I did this. I have to go tell them. And then you have the journey to go tell them. It's probably just as bad, if not worse, than actually having to speak the words at that moment. Because you keep recycling it over and over in your mind. Over and over and over and over and over. And like, I cannot believe I did this. So he's going to go back and like, hey, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. His sin was against God and the Father. And the Father in this represents the Heavenly Father, <coughs> represents God. Um, one, I, I want to make sure you understand, confessing your sin isn't about bondage. Confessing your sin is actually what provides the freedom. So that in the first service and somebody came to me afterwards like, people don't talk like that anymore. 
I'm like, they should. It's the word of God. We think that today if we admit our sin, confess our sin, our need of repentance, that then somehow it makes us less. No, it lets us be reminded that Jesus is more than enough. John, uh, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that we're called to confess sin to God. 1 John 1, 9. Also, we find in James 5, 16 that we're to confess our sins to each other. To confess is to agree with God about sin. To call it what it is. And in his brokenness, he knew he couldn't do what was needed. He is repentant and finally he is broken to me. And so now he's hoping to be like the very least of his father's servants. David Jeremiah wrote about this and he says in that time frame that there were three different types of servants that would be hired in with your, with your home. One, you have a bond servant. The bond servant is somebody who is like a member of the family almost. They run the estate and they even hire others to help with the daily task. They would even eat their meals with the, with the family. So they are very, very close. So you had the bond servant. Then you had another servant, um, which was really considered um, to be just the hired servant, bond servant and hired servant. Bond servant, this is how I would describe it. You have a bond servant, a hired servant. Um, the hired servant would be the one who is full-time. They still get health care, don't worry. They have retirement. They have some PTO, maybe that kind of stuff. But they're not eating with the family, but they're still working and they're getting everything done. So you have the bond servant, then you have the hired servant, and then you have the, basically the hourly wage, meaning the person who's maybe seasonal worker is a good way to think about it. Um, they're hired to do certain things to make sure everything is taken care of, but they're not with the family. They're not doing all those things. This guy, if you look at the original language, he's actually just being, he's hoping to be the very least of that. Just that, because at least they, they have enough to eat. I'm looking at the pods of the pigs and going, I want some of that. So at least can I be one of those? That's how good my father actually is. I neglected all of it. So he's hoping to go back. And finally, he goes back to the father. Now, here's also, before I even get into that even more, in Luke chapter 15, what's amazing about this passage is he's calling this out. He says, man, okay, I'm perishing. These guys have more. I'm going to go tell my father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. There's that hired servant that he's talking about, right? It's the least of the three. Can I just be one of them? And finally, he got up and came to his father. telling you, I know I've already referenced it a little bit, but that journey back home, sometimes you can make a journey and it's really exciting. Like we have this thing coming up on Thursday, it's called Thanksgiving. I just want to say that I'm thankful for all of you. That's not true. Some of you, I don't know, but mo I am thankful for most of you. And um, I, sometimes you can get excited about like even going, I'm, I'm excited to go away for Thanksgiving. I'm going away this year. I'm just going to be the first time in like five or six years I'm with my brother and his family and my mom all together at once. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and I'm excited, but there's also like, the, it's, the, it's the journey back. Right? The last time we were all together was actually my father's funeral. So like the, the, the journey back is like this, like, okay, what's this going to be like? It's going to be really different. Like, it's the journey home that sometimes is, oh, 
Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Well, he's taking this journey home. And he's thinking to himself, hey, oh, what's this going to be like? Let me tell you what he would have expected culturally. Contextualization, once again. Culturally, if already we know that in verse 24, verse 32 of Luke chapter 15, other places, the father references the son as being the son of mine was dead. Meaning, um, once you left with your inheritance, you're no longer considered to be a part of the family. In order to get back into the family, you had to pay, pay retribution. To pay retribution means that you would go back and you would be going to see your father, but you know that your father wouldn't be the one to greet you. Would not happen. What would take place is um, you would be stopped by servants outside, probably in the village or the community in which they lived, and you would be put there for sometimes days at a time, and people would come and mock you and ridicule you, and that was kind of paying the price for everything that you had done. That's what would have been expected. So when he's going, I need to go home, it wasn't like I'm going to go knock on their front door. They're going to let me in. There's going to be about an hour of discomfort because they're going to yell at me and they're going to about wasting everything, but I'm going to be repentant. And then they're going to finally accept me back and I get to sit down at the meal table with everybody else and I'm going to eat a cheeseburger. Did not happen that way. It was, hey, when they're going to come back, they know that they're going to be received by servants. They're not going to be even pretty much on the property. They're going to be more in the village of the community that their family is residing within and that people are going to mock them for days at a time. So that journey just got harder, did it not? So he's wanting to go on this type of journey. He starts making this journey, going home, processing all of these different things. And, but what I love, what I love is this is what his, the, the significance of this journey meant. Because some of you need to make the journey. Some of you need to make the journey. But you've never been broken. You still think you can do it on your own. The significance of the journey is this, is that his, fa he pr his prayer to the father changed from give me to make me. This is from Warren Wearsby. His prayer changed from give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want this, give me this. I want my share of the property, my share of the inheritance. I want this amount of money. I want to better go and do this. Look, I, I want what I want. Give it to me. And he got more than what he actually deserved according to the world around him. But he got all this. He went and it was like, give me, give me, give me. And finally, his trip home was more about not give me. It was make me, transform me into a new person. And some of our postures, even people that are watching now in this space, doesn't matter where you are. Some of our posture, if we're honest, is often about, give me, give me, give me, God. Even in our prayers the last few days, rather than God, make me. Make me. And so you have to ask yourself the question, do you come to God with a heart of give me or with a desire for transformation saying, make me? All of this prepares us for what's about to happen. Will you please stand again, anywhere you are, stand again for the reading of the word of God. He says this in Luke 15, 20 through 24, but while he was still a long way off, now remember his expectation, he's gonna be a long way off. He's finally gonna get there and servants gonna be there and say, hey, you need to sit out here in the public square for quite a while. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, 
bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is. So they began to. So they began to. Oh. I feel like we need helium balloons and whatever those things are. They had a party. This is the word of God. You may be seated. The son was ready to face the shame he deserves. He wanted restoration. Expectations show up. Your father won't be there. But he starts the journey home anyway. Here's a response of the father. Knowing, remember, he expects ridicule, hatred for days, sitting in public eye, everybody knowing exactly what he has done. You piece of dirt. Everybody say piece of dirt. dirt. You got to know when not to follow the instructions. (laughs) That's what everybody's thinking. You piece of dirt. But he's still a long way off. His father saw him, felt, everybody say compassion. The word compassion here literally means your bowels, your intestines. So it's like, uh, you, you know, there's times you have butterflies times three. You're just really nervous, you're really anxious. And you, I've had those throughout my life at different times. I remember um, first day of going to college, I remember when I was, ooh, I remember when I was gonna ask my wife, uh, she was just a friend at the time, I, was, I met her and I was like, okay, I know I've only known her for eight hours, but you think she'll say yes if I ask her out? Like it was that, I saw, I was like, mm, right? <laughs> that came out wrong, like it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm thrown off, which means I expect you to be thrown off. You know, those times that like the the bowels, the intestines, you're like, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? And by the way, she said yes. And um, like, what what are you going to do? What are you going to, and all these different things. And so here it speaks about the response of the father. And it says he had that type of compassion. One, I love the fact the son hasn't at this point when he's walking home, he still hasn't said anything. Those words that he's going, he said, I'm going to tell my father. He's thinking these. He's not home yet. He's having the conversation with himself. So he's still a long way off. His father sees him, has compassion on him, runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. He hadn't even reached the entrance yet to the village, but the father was watching. The father is watching for some of you to actually come home. And it's not always a physical thing. So let me go ahead and just name something that's in the room, I think, right now. Some of you think are thinking to yourself, oh, I've never left to go anywhere. I've been the good father, or the good son, the good daughter. I've come home when I actually left for school, but I came back to help care for people. This, isn't not, this is not just about the physical location of where you are. Listen, if you can have a kid who leaves, takes all their inheritance, and they leave to go to another distant country. That's what it says about this prodigal, right? They go to a distant country, and they squander everything they have. And some of you are going, but I stayed home. But if you lock yourself in the room and you never talk to people, you're still a prodigal. You're doing all the right things, but you're still a prodigal. You're going to church every Sunday, look at me, or at least twice a month, and you're going, okay, this is what it is. But you're a prodigal because you've never actually come to to receive the embracing of the Heavenly Father. 
You're doing all the right things, but you've never really experienced the passionate love of a heavenly father. I mean, it's remarkable because here, contextualization, here's this guy, the heavenly father, and the Pharisees, again, are hearing all this and going, this guy, I, I, can, I can feel their anger coming. I mean, anger, detest, that's why they killed the guy. That doesn't come because you're like, oh, I don't really care for him that much. And so they killed the Messiah. Because even in this description, we learn more of why they didn't like him. Because in that day, a nobleman did not run. It's the same, the word here for run in Greek is the same word that Paul used for running the race with perseverance. Maybe that triggers something in you. And so here, it literally says, it's that same language that the father just jacked up the, his robe and started running to his son. Did not happen. It was a disgrace to do that. To throw a robe on him, a robe was a sign of honor. And now you're going to put honor on the very one who stole everything from you? This is, what the, this is what Christianity is all about, friends. All of this happens before, the word, uh, before a word comes from the son's mouth. And finally, he says in, verse, in Luke chapter 15, verse 21, he says, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Like that conversation automatically changes. If you walk up and someone's like, what do you want? Anybody ever done, anybody had anyone do something wrong to you in the past? Raise your hand. Okay. When you saw them after they did that thing that was so horrific and wrong, whatever that might have been, they stole your pencil from third grade. I don't know. Maybe they cheated you out of a lot of money, whatever that was. When you walk up to that person and their response is, what do you want? The conversation you're about to have changes a lot versus if they walk up, can you imagine this? You walk up to them and, and maybe, um, or maybe the one who wronged you, they walk up to you and right away you just walk up and give them a big hug and kiss them on the cheek and be like, I love you. Does that conversation change? Changes. This is a model for us, by the way. We need to ask ourselves if we're living with this type of understanding. So he says, I sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He, he recognizes that the relationship has been broken, but I think he is, is going to struggle to receive it. Only because I'm gonna put us in that situation. Because every single one of us has, has been a prodigal somehow, somewhere in our life at some point. You're like, I never left, it doesn't matter. You can live in the same house. If you are honest with yourself, When you think about who you are as a believer of Jesus Christ, do you make decisions based on your insecurities or the promises of God? Right, do you translate, do you look at other people, translate life through the lens of how others, how others have spoken of you in the past. I remember one of the first times I ever preached, 
It's been a few years, and um, I don't think they were, I don't think they meant, meant it for what it did, but they just said, well, the good news is you can get better. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. I remember that after 30 years. I have a personality type. Um, some of you are very aware of this, that you can't judge me to a higher standard than I already have for myself. I have crazy grace for other people, none for Joel. Anybody else in that boat? We need to get over it, friends. And so what you do is you actually are making decisions in life and you're computing to yourself like, well, yeah, but I know that what if they don't like what I do? Why are you even concerned about what? Is it what God wants? Why are you concerned about if they like what you do or not? That's insecurity. Right? We claim to experience this, this lavishing of God's love into our life and this pouring out. He came and embraced us and he hugged us and he kissed us and he said, I'm going to throw a party. But we're actually, we're, we're saying that's true, but we're actually living in our own insecurity and our own problems from the past and we don't really believe it. It's really hard to demonstrate something if you haven't really received it for yourself. Right? In fact, some of you, like, uh, there's something I'm trying to bring back. Um, I'm, I was trying to bring back high fives. I think that whole COVID crap is done enough now. I'm bringing back the hug. <laughs> right? And here's the reality. I love doing this to people. I'll just come up and hug people. I barely know them. Um, I should actually have probably somebody come up here and demonstrate with me. Um, but like, this is what they do. Uh, in fact, I, I, I'm going to do this. Can I have... I need a guy. Be, can I borrow you up here real quick? Uh, I have no idea who you are. I'm Joel. Sam. Sam, come on up, buddy. Um, and um, this, everybody say, hey, Sam. Sam. Um, yeah, oh, there's a lot of people. You yeah, don't mess this up. Um, ready, set, go. Um, but then what happens is, okay, I want you to do me a favor. Um, just put your hands right here. Don't move. S Sam, it's so good to see you, bro. So, I love you, man. Everybody say, I love you, man. <laughs> you know, the right voice. Come on. Um, so that's how a lot of you hug. <laughs> Seriously, you know what I'm talking about. You hug somebody and they're like, oh, hey. <laughs> Who's that? Raise your hand. You know, like so many, there was like four hands. Liars. <laughs> that's a West Michigan thing. First time I ever visited here for a secret weekend, I hugged the guy that I was coming to see. And he's like, oh, you're that guy, right? Like, that's a, but that's how you guys sometimes hug, right? And then if you really feel tight with someone, you give them the bro hug. You know what that is? Okay, so I'm going to come hug you. You just do the little on the back, okay? Okay. Right? Right? Sam, you're playing with us too well. Like you're doing. Um, where are you from, by the way? Just right down the road. Really? Yeah, so, imagine that. Oh my God. You're born here? Yeah. God made you special. <laughs> um, so then you got these people who stand like this. Some of you are that. Some of you are like, if you're really feeling good, you're right? Just that's all you get. But some of you truly, and I don't want to get weird. I'm not going to like, you need to, you got to. Embrace. Go away. You're too good. Go away. <laughs> Everybody say thanks, Sam. 
Um, truly, some of you are still standing like this. Like you even came home, you're like, God loves me so much. I know it, I know it. But you're still standing like this. You have not received and reciprocated the embrace from the heavenly father that you are his child and the past is the past and that you can live as a new creation in Christ. You haven't done it. And so as a result, you haven't even forgiven the people really around you. And so that's driving the decisions you make. What if this goes wrong? What if that happens again? What if they reject me? What if they don't like me? And all these things come into play. Friends, when someone comes to ask for forgiveness, and you might, I know some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been physically, sexually abused. Some of you have been just beat down verbally in so many different ways throughout your life. And you have experienced rejection after rejection after rejection. But that is not the way of our Heavenly Father, I promise you. And your willingness to forgive has nothing to do with the other person saying, I'm sorry. Hear me say this. Your forgiveness has nothing to do with other people saying, I'm sorry. It has to do with your understanding that you've already received forgiveness from the Heavenly Father. And you don't need it from anybody else. And I know we don't raise people that way, do we? What did they say? I'm sorry. They haven't said I'm sorry yet. My, my willingness to forgive has nothing to do with someone's willingness to say I'm sorry. My willingness to forgive comes to, do, to the fact that I know what I have received in terms of forgiveness and grace and mercy from the heavenly father, which I do not deserve. And so you're standing there. And you've modeled this for your kids and your kids have modeled it for those kids. Well, they say, I'm, did they say I'm sorry? I, they, they don't have to. They don't have to. Some of us are claiming a salvation while we still live in the rejection of the world. Are you living in rejection? Some of us need to choose to live in what God thinks of us instead of being concerned with what others think of us. Pharisees shaking their heads. No, that he can't, no, can't be doing this. He can't be saying all this. This isn't right. Like, and they're just, the anger's, man, they, they got it. They're, it's burning in them. But the heavenly father is wrapped his arms around you. And some of you are refusing to hug him back. Father's gonna throw a party. I like a party. Parties are good. He gives them a robe. I told you that represented royalty and just honor, like a ring and sandals and all these have meanings. I'm not gonna get into all of it right now because I think it'll distract us. There's no like, hey, I forgive you, but you better do this for me. 
hey, I, I want to give this to you as long as. There's none of that. The message is simple. Grace wins over all sin. And the story is inviting us into that type of relationship with the Heavenly Father. And you have some hard questions to ask. With one, are, have you really embraced the love of the Father and are you hugging him back? Are you reciprocating the Father's love and showing and demonstrating that to other people? And so the Father calls for a party. Then he says this. The father said, verse 22 and 23, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. And there's that language in verse 24 that I said he's spoken about before, for this son of mine was dead. This son of mine, I was done with him, and now he's come home. I'm not going to sit there and tell him about how miserable he was and how many bad things he did. I'm simply going to receive him. This son of mine was dead, and now he is home. We're going to throw a party. He was lost, and he is now found. And they began to celebrate. And they just, it was that quick. Are you even holding other people to a standard? that you yourself have not been held to. No shame. But this is how I would speak about it. Um, there's a, a prayer I wanna put on the screen that I just started putting some language together for a prayer and maybe some of it resonates with you. Maybe this is what you need to be praying. God, you're the father of the prodigal. Everybody raise your hand if you would. You've all been a prodigal. Some way, somehow. We all need to confess our sin. We know that all of sin falling short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, but the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But we know that there's grace to the Heavenly Father. We've all been prodigals. Amen. Some of us have lived in the world's acceptance. And as a result, we're not hugging them back. Some of us have been a spiritual wanderer. You're still living for self and not in the love and the grace of the Father. Some of you are still eating the bitter, bitter berries, right? Those pods that the pigs are eating, but you won't, you won't just say, I'm sorry. I did something wrong. I know I can't do it by myself. You're gonna keep living that way because of the pride and the arrogance in your life. You are not designed to live alone, nor are you able to do anything for yourself when it comes to eternal life. It is only through the grace of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to demonstrate that type of humility and start making the journey home and, and, and start making that trip and then not be a spiritual wanderer anymore.
Some of you need to pray that God would help you change the prayer, give me to make me. Make me into your image. Some of you need to take some time of praise and worship. I, I just see um, that father's love. I, I, got, I just got one kid who's not in the home anymore. And when I know he's coming home, um, they've got this little device you can track where your kids are. And I said, as long as you're my son, that stays active. I do it in love, but I track them. I'm the guy, even when it's raining, I'm standing in the driveway waiting for him to pull in. And that's nothing compared to what this father did. Just taking off and running and big embrace. Some of you need to hug him back. And you won't do it. Some of you need just to fall into his arms and hug him back. No more condemnation. That's Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. No more guilt, just love, just grace. You need to receive it so that you can show it. God, I thank you, I love you, I worship you. We declare your goodness. There are some people listening right now who need to run back to you, confess their sin, recognize they can't do it without you, and just to come home. And there are some who've made the journey part way, but they need to receive your embrace and to hug you back. And there are some who simply need to enjoy the party. Life in the name of Christ. Amen.